from Relay FM, this is Analog episode number 37. Today's show is brought to you by Casper because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Wealthfront, the automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way and making light. Craft a daily ritual to focus on what matters most. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined as always by the man of the hour, Mr. Casey Liss. So here's the thing. You may not be joined by me for the entire hour. Okay. So we are recording on Thursday, what is today, the 23rd? Is that right? Apple Watch mm-hmm. Eve. Um, mm-hmm. And last night on Wednesday, the 22nd, we were recording the Accidental Tech Podcast. And as always, I was using Erin's computer, her like year old MacBook Air, to record because both of my MacBook Pros have the loudest fans in the world and can't seem to handle doing more than one thing at once without the fan spinning. So as we're recording, I went and I reached to grab something, or maybe I was trying to put my hand on the keyboard, and clipped the glass of water sitting adjacent to my Mac. Now, yes, I understand that putting that glass of water adjacent to my Mac probably was not a wise choice, but I've been podcasting for, what, two years now, almost two and a half, something like that, and I had yet to have spilled anything anywhere near a computer. Last night as we're recording ATP... I spilled probably a third of a pint glass of water directly onto the keyboard of Aaron's MacBook Air. I remember when I did that. I do, but you were doing that with soda, weren't you? Yeah. Okay, so as we're recording, I'm freaking out quietly because Marco and John were talking at that particular moment, and I literally, as I'm connected to my microphone, as I'm connected to the power, as I'm connected to an external display, I flip the MacBook Air upside down to, to try to drain whatever water I can out of it. And then eventually, I let, it, I let it sit for like 10 minutes, and thankfully I didn't really have that much to say at that particular moment on the show. Then I flip the computer back over and say in the Skype chat, well, I just poured water on Aaron's Mac, so if I die in the middle of the episode, <laughs> that's why. And Mike was lamenting before we recorded that I was sounding a little off today. And if, if I don't make it through this episode, it's because some idiot who happens to be named Casey poured some water onto Aaron's MacBook Air. Why did you say an hour? Do you have a time limit? No, it's just uh, I, we, I like to think the show lasts an hour, but we both know that's not really true. Oh, I see. I thought you had... So you're still using that computer? Mm-hmm. I think if you're using it now, it's probably okay. Uh, see, I'm scared that it's going to be like the long troll sort of thing. Mine died instantly. Did it? Yeah. The liquid went in, the Mac went off, and it never came back on again. Was that an SSD or was that a platter? It was a SSD. Mm, sad times. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm hopeful since it's water that maybe I'll be okay, maybe, but I'm scared. And so uh, today, instead of using a glass of water, I don't know if you can hear that, but that's my... It's like a bag. Well, it's actually my Camelback, uh, my little water bottle that has a lid on it, that if I turn over, nothing happens. Well, I have one of these guys. It's a cantina. Mm, mm-hmm. See, you're a professional podcasters. I am not. 
I got this, well, I've had it for a while, but I started using this. But now also my laptop is elevated on one of those stand things anyway. So even if I spilled something on the desk, it wouldn't go in it. But I like reached over. I was podcasting at the time and I knocked an entire like, I don't know, 50 centiliter to like half a liter of soda in like all over the keyboard. Uh, what kind of soda? Just, uh, I think it was diet. I think it was Dr. Pepper Zero. So it didn't even have any sugar in it. Hmm. And sugar is usually the thing that sure. is the murder mm-hmm. in that. But it, but it still died it it was instant it died instantly it was connected to power at the time were you connected to power i was yes yeah i was too so yeah but it died it died bad that sucks all right well enough of that so that is the background so uh for the live listeners if i spontaneously disappear that's why and for the recorded listeners well you're not going to be any wiser anyway so that's all we have for that do you want to tell us about something that's cool yeah, I'm, luckily enough, I can tell you about something now that can calm you down a little bit. That sounds excellent. Because I, I feel like right now you are you are at a heightened state. I am. I am indeed. And you could probably do with, with being able to focus yourself a little. Oh, very much and so. And that's, that's what our first sponsor is all about this week. Um, this episode of Analog is brought to you by Making Light. This is an absolutely new sponsor to the network. And Casey, you're going to have to wait for me for a moment. Because <laughs> I've renamed the document and I didn't change that. Oh, I named the documents around the wrong way. Oops. Hang on. Well, no, it's just I called the the analog sponsorship rocket and the rocket sponsorship analog. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, that doesn't look right. Hang on. You have to just bear with me a moment now. Sorry, sorry, if sorry. I, if I had a soundboard, I'd make like a bzz, you know, on the soundboard. Um, just to mess with you, but I don't have one. Not to make it sound like you died. Mm-hmm. We'll fix that in post. So, Casey, we have a great sponsor this week. I actually think it can be able to help you. They're going to help you calm down right now because you're at an elevated state right now. Um, this week's episode of Analog is brought to you by Making Light. So today's world is full of distractions. So whether that is you have somebody breathing down your neck for a piece of work that you're due late, maybe you have a computer that has a finite amount of time left on it. This sort of stuff can be particularly difficult for people who are paid for what they create rather than just for their time because you need to have to focus to be able to complete the end product, right? You haven't just got a time that you need to clock in and out of. You have to create something. And sometimes this stuff can take longer and require more focus. And being nerdy as we are, we usually try and use technology to help us focus. So you get an app with a distraction-free writing environment or something like that. Um, You know, and we use one app at a time, that kind of thing. And, And those sorts of things, they can help us. You know, maybe we get clicky keyboards. Maybe we get uh, lovely desktops. These can help focus different senses. So like clicky keyboards, they help with touch. And we have distraction-free working environments for sight. We find the perfect coffee. And that is how we engage taste. And we find that perfect music player for us. It's how we engage with sound. But scent is an untapped resource. And that's what Making Light does. Making Light is a subscription service that sends you high-quality candles right to your door, allowing you to create a new daily ritual to focus on what matters most. Once you light your candle, it's time to write or meditate. Whatever else deserves your focus can be done once you light a Making Light candle. You just allow the fragrance and the flickering flame to be a constant but subtle reminder that this is a time 
that you need to focus. These candles are made of premium quality. They're very reasonably priced. They're made from 100% botanical soy wax, and they have fragrances infused of essential oils. Each candle is hand-poured by a small Indiana family business of over 40 years of candle making, and each shipment even contains a handwritten note of a quote or encouraging thought, which is very analog indeed, I think. It is. Now, when I first heard about this, I was when these guys contacted us, I wasn't sure what I thought about it because I was like, candles is an interesting thing. So they sent me a box and I love it. So they have great packaging, right? So they send you everything you're going to need in a box um, to light a candle for two hours a day for 20 days, right? You get 20 daily uses of two hours at a time. And you kind of light it and, you know, you get two candles, um, a box of wooden matches, and they give you a preview sample of next month's fragrance as well. You light the candle and it's kind of, it's weird because it, it just changes the room for the time that it's on. Because it's just, hmm. it's not an overpowering smell, but you know it's there and you see it out of the corner of your eye or whatever. And I have personally found that when I'm struggling with a piece of work, like when I'm writing scripts for Inquisitive or whatever, or I'm writing long emails or that kind of stuff, or actually even when I was writing the sponsorship scripts for this episode, for, for this sponsor, I actually have found that it helps me out. Um, and it's just a nice little thing to have... Um, and it, it helps me set some time aside. It's like a focused time, right? Light for a couple of hours and it's some focused work. Making light costs $24 a month with free shipping to anywhere in the USA. They have Canadian shipping for an extra $5 a month and UK shipping for an extra 10 But once you factor in the exchange rates, this is totally worth it. And these candles are way better than what you're going to find in your local mall. Listeners of this show can get $5 off their first order with the promo code ANALOG spelled however you like so go find out more for yourself at makinglight.us thank you so much to making light for supporting this show and relay fm that's awesome different man i like it yeah i, I definitely like what we have you know do new and exciting sponsors we love the regular sponsors we're, we're gonna have some of them later on but new and exciting sponsors just make everything feel a little bit well new and exciting so yeah Excellent. Yep. All right. That was a little bit of follow out, but we should probably do some follow up. So what do we have in the document tonight? So uh, we follow up wise, we don't, we don't have an awful lot. Um, but the first thing that we do have is from Holger. This is the only thing, actually. Um, and Holger wrote in an email talking about notifications. In preparation for the Apple Watch, I also cut down notifications, but I left the badges turned on. In this way, I don't get bothered with notifications, but I also don't have to open the app to see if there's new information. This might be an option for Casey in regards to things like the delivery status app. So this was in last week's episode. You were talking about the fact that you turned off a bunch of notifications for apps that you didn't see as important. Um, and you decided that instead you'll just go into them and check them when they're there. Mm -hmm. But what do you think about that? Like, because in a th in theory, then you can just glance at your home screen and you'll see that there's something new about having to open the apps themselves. Are you a, a, a badges kind of guy? Um, I, I certainly started that way over time as with every other kind of notification. I tended to turn them off. Um, like Tweetbot is a great example. I don't believe I have badges turned on for Tweetbot. Um, but when Holger had written this in, I thought that that was brilliant. I don't know why I didn't think of this myself, but I'm, I'm glad that he wrote in uh, because deliveries is, is a perfect, perfect example of this where I do kind of want to know soon after something happens that something has happened because I'm excited about receiving my Apple Watch or my Amazon order or whatever the case may be. 
but I don't necessarily need to know the instant that my phone knows. And this is a really great halfway. Now, deliveries just so happens to not be on my first home screen, so my second home screen, but as I'm paging around through my different home screens, I can see that little badge there and say, oh, something must have updated. And if now is a good time to clear that badge and to take a look, then I'll do it. And if not, I'll just know, well, whatever is coming my way, some progress is being made. And that and that's good news. Are you a badge kind of guy? No, Stephen wrote a great piece about this a while ago. Called no, This was a long time ago, actually, 2011, called Notification Badge Anxiety Disorder. <laughs> Which is something that I suffer from. So when I see notification badges, they usually make me feel anxious in some way. Oh, I agree. So, so I leave them on for apps where that's necessary, like my to-do list app. Sure. Right? But I only do it for overdue to-dos, and I leave it on for messages applications. That's it. I turn badges off for everything else. Hmm. I don't like having notification badges. I have as few enabled as possible you know it's funny as as you said that i was like yeah that's pretty much how i feel but what occurred to me was i do have email badges on and i don't recall if i have it on for every email or only personal email but i suspect i have it on for all of my email and thinking about it i may want to turn those off too but in the case of deliveries i think that's a great idea and i actually wrote holger almost immediately and said you know what i'm definitely doing that for deliveries because that's a brilliant idea so um i definitely definitely like like that idea and i appreciate you writing in polger um now you had put in the notes mike um what about being notified on the lock screen only Mm -hmm. and the problem i have with that is that i have no self-control and if i pick up my phone even just to look at the time which generally speaking i'm going to have either a traditional watch on or maybe one day an apple watch on but there are occasions i'll pick up my phone for whatever reason and look at something and anything that is on the lock screen I'm going to go investigate because I have no self-control. So a large part of what I wanted to do in turning off all these notifications is to clear out my lock screen. And I had turned off sound notifications on, geez, darn near everything uh, quite a long time ago, probably a year or two ago now. So for example, Tweetbot would put on the lock screen when someone I follow had sent either a direct message or an at reply but it wouldn't buzz. There would be no sound, but it would show up on the lock screen. And every time I looked at my phone, if somebody had said something, no matter what I was in the middle of, because I have no self-control, I'm diving into Tweetbot to answer that question or to to send a witty reply or whatever the case may be. So I like where your head's at for this, but because I have no self-control, I don't care for the approach. Now, what do you do? Do you have a lot of stuff showing up on your lock screen? Yeah, but... um. You know, again, remember that I mostly have my phone in do not disturb mode. Ah, uh, yes, um, yes. I think we're going to need to circle back around to this a little bit more once and, and how we feel about notifications in general once they're buzzing on our wrists. Because mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't know yet. Am I going to leave the taps on? Am I going to turn them off? When will I leave them on? When will I turn them off? I don't know. Yep. Because in theory, they're silent, so... I mean, is it because I don't have the sounds on so they're not constantly going off and bugging everyone? Um, will that change? I don't know. I'm really interested to see how my behaviors change. But it won't be in probably the first couple of days or whatever. Right, right. Cool. All right. Uh, any other follow-up? Nope. But I do have a quick relay of feels. Excellent. Um, what's the most offensive British or American stereotype you've had pinned on you while traveling internationally? This is from Doug MacArthur. Can you think of anything? I mean, I know that 
the one that I always mention is the white trainers thing, which is funny for Americans, which is I know not true, but it's something that, that we bring up a lot. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, I mean, obviously it's assumed that we're all 300 pounds and we always want cheese on everything. That's a little offensive, but I I can't remember a time when I've actually been overseas and had one of these things happen to me. And the best example, the closest example I can think of is when, and I believe I told the story on the show, when I went to a wedding in Greece, but with a bunch of Welsh and and I'd asked them, did you know I was American before we interacted? And they said, without missing a beat, yes, absolutely. Well, how? And they said, well, number one, your hair. Okay, I thought I can get behind that, I suppose. And number two, just the way you carried yourself. And like that's both offensive and not. Like, I could tell they, in no way did they mean that to be offensive. That was not their intention at all. But I view myself as a pretty self-deprecating pretty nice guy and it was odd to me to have them say oh well the way you carried yourself was enough to clue us that you were american and i'm not saying they're wrong for the record they're surely right but because they were right well, yeah. exactly oh yeah <laughs> that's true but you know what i mean like i'm saying yes i'm american but it probably i probably do carry myself in a in maybe not a uniquely american way but in a stereotypically american way but I pressed them a little in a happy way. I was like, well, geez, why do you say that? Well, I don't know. It's just it, it's just the way you walk and the way you just kind of are. It just, you seem American. And and I, I, I know it wasn't meant to be offensive, but I was not offended, but a little bothered by that. It was surprising because, again, I think of myself as a pretty nice guy. And not that they were saying that I'm not nice, but... No, see, I think you're looking at this in a very different way to maybe it was intended, because I think I can kind of understand. I probably was. So I wouldn't say I can do this all the time, but sometimes you see someone and they, they have, a, not um, over, but a level of confidence about them, and they're very open and, like, bouncy. <laughs> Is that a uniquely the, American thing? British people tend to be more hunched. Not always. Interesting. But it's just a thing. Is that because you're always trying to get out of the rain? Yeah. See, now that's offensive. <laughs> you know, and we're always we're always ashamed of ourselves. Oh, so. God. Or is it that your stiff upper lip just weighs so damn much? Oh God, this 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 escalated quickly. But no, seriously, you would say that that you think that if we had not known each other, if you can recall the way I just walk and and act. You think I'm too loud, maybe not verbally loud, but just like visually loud and, and bouncy, as you said, that you would have pegged me as American? Uh, I'm not going to be bothered. Maybe. Hmm. I don't think I would have pegged you as British. I mean, the moment you opened your mouth, of course, but I, I don't think until then I would have pegged you as British. Who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe. This is the thing. Like, maybe I. Do you know what? I probably wouldn't have known, but I can kind of understand the idea of somebody maybe being able to say, you know, hmm. uh, that that person may be American. But I wouldn't say that I would be able to look at you and say that. But clearly, those people did. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. I, and again, I know deep down, I know, and that they in no way intended that to hurt. But it, it was didn't hurt but it was weird uh what have you dealt with uh, as as a british fellow just the one uh, somebody mentioned this to me when we were away that people assume that our food is bad see like still that bothers you more than oh you all have bad teeth uh, but nobody said that to me though mm, fair enough and i don't have great teeth but that's not my recollection but i'll go with it um, they're not terrible they're just not they're not 
pearly white American teeth. Well, neither are mine, but that's okay. Uh, no, it's funny you say that because when we went overseas in 2010 to um, to London and Paris, I had been to London once before when I was 13, but I barely remembered it. And I didn't really know what to make of the food because uh, as as you're saying, you know, the, the stereotype, certainly in America anyway, the stereotype is, oh, British food is terrible. And again, I might have told the story before, so apologies if I had, but um, we we stumbled into a pub in the Victoria area of London, and it was just the first pub that we happened upon. It was the middle of the day, and, and we went in. It was not really an hour that we should have been eating a meal, but we had just gotten off the plane or something like that. And I decided to have fish and chips because I freaking love fish and chips, and why would I not? I think I had fish and chips like five times over that week. And Aaron had this weird concoction that I'd never heard of called bangers and mash. And I kid you not, in this nondescript pub in the middle of Victoria, London, uh, is is Victoria in London? Is that fair to say? Or did I just already scream American? <laughs> it's fine. Okay. Well, apologies to those of you from the UK that are listening and shaking your head. Well, anyways, we're in Victoria and we stumble in this pub and Aaron gets bangers and mash, which turns out is sausage and mashed potatoes. I get fish and chips, and oh my God, Mike. Oh my God. Uh, oh my God. It was the best meal. Like, it was so freaking good. But uh, I tried Aaron's. It was amazing. And my fish and chips, I- I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're, you're thinking to, myself, to yourself, how can he be this excited about fish and chips? No, you don't understand. It, it was like the fried part had like different layers. The outside was like really, really crunchy. And then there was like that kind of like half fried soft inside part. And then the fish was delicious. And, and I think we had, um, what is it? Is it mushy peas or mushy peas? I always get it wrong. Mushy. Thank you. Mushy peas. Oh my God. The whole thing. It was so good. And that was setting the stage for really the rest of the trip. I wouldn't say all of the meals were that good. But they were all really, really good. And so I feel like I've got a chip on my shoulder about British food now because I thought British food was excellent. So did Aaron. So I don't blame you at all for being bothered by it. Although I do think it's kind of funny that I'm getting more worked up about this than you are. So fish and chips, I was saying this to Brad, nobody really eats it in the UK. It's a tourist thing. Is that really? Wow. I mean, we eat it when we go to the seaside. Hmm. Yeah, you know, we tend to eat it in London. It's not something that we eat a lot. But see, the food that you've mentioned here is like the traditional food or whatever. But just out now, like these days, our food is in general great. It's like any big city that you would go to, kind of thing. You know, it's just good food. Yeah, I, I don't doubt it. I didn't have chicken tikka masala. Is that how you pronounce it? It's probably wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's chicken tikka masala. It's a a, a British made curry. Right, and I didn't try that when I was there. We did, I believe, we either, we went to um, some grocery store. You and I have talked about this. Well, don't think it was on the air. Um, shoot, it started with an S maybe? Uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, we went to some grocery store and got like a bunch. Sainsbury's. Of, yes, that sounds right. Uh, and we got a bunch of like random, um, what I would call to-go food, and I think you would call takeaway food. Um, and one of them was, what is it, Scottish egg? Is that right? Scotch egg. Scotch egg, and there was something else that we had. Gosh, I can't remember what it was, but they were both really good too. And was is it the Scotch egg that has like meat and it's like breaded and then like meat and like egg or something? Yeah, like it's it? breadcrumbs, pork meat, and a and a hard boiled egg in the middle. Oh god, I miss way it. better than it sounds. Yeah, actually, do 
I don't know if we were able to eat that one or maybe we got two. It doesn't matter. But any the point I'm driving at is everything I tried was awesome. And I completely agree with you that that is a bad stereotype that you guys do not deserve. Also, in summary, I am the world's most ignorant and stereotypical American. So sorry. I appreciate you going to bat for me, though. Yeah, it, it, I do. It, I, I call it like I see it. And uh, British food was really good. All right. Before we get into main topics, you want to tell me about something else that's cool? Yeah, I have a big topic today. I've been waiting to talk about this for a while. Okay. Um, but we'll get to that shortly after this quick break where we thank our friends Casper for sponsoring this week's episode. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses that you can get for just a fraction of the price. The mattress industry has inherently forced consumers into paying really high prices on mattresses, but Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing those savings directly onto you, the consumer. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses. Yes, that sounds crazy, but they sell mattresses on the internet. But it's amazing. Casper mattresses provide a quality that you're not going to find anywhere else. They are built to be long-lasting, resilient. They have a special, one-of-a-kind type of material that they use. It's a new hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. Usually mattresses can cost well over 1500 bucks, but Casper mattresses cost between $500 for a twin size, $600 for a twin XL, $750 for a full size, $850 for a queen size, and $950 for a king size mattress. Casper understands that buying a mattress online can have consumers wondering how this is possible. Well, buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. They offer free delivery and returns over a 100-day period. It's that simple. Statistically, lying on a bed for four minutes in a showroom has no correlation as to whether this right bed is going to be right for you. And that's why Casper has made this risk-free experience. So you can try it for 100 days. If you don't like it, you can send it back to them. Like, I think that's so awesome, right? Because this is the type of thing, like, you, if you think like buying like a mattress, you lie on it for a couple of minutes, and I had to do this recently. You lie on it for a couple of minutes, and it's like, oh, I'm not sure about this. Am I going to like it? But if you get to sleep on it for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns, like, you know, that is just superb. Now, Mr. Casey Lewis, mm-hmm. you have a Casper mattress, is that correct? I do. Um, pl- could you please give me your thoughts on that? On it? That'd be fantastic. So it, even if you don't need a mattress, it is almost worth the price of admission just to watch this thing get shipped to you and unfold itself. So they ship it to you in this box that has no business having a mattress in it. It is way too small. It is the uh, it is the uh, approximate um, dimensions of like the new airport extreme, that kind of thin, tall tower. Obviously, it's quite a bit larger, but that that kind of ratio. Um, and you you open the box, and they give you this little like letter opener thing where you cut open the the plastic wrap that the mattress is in, and over the next five minutes, it just kind of blah, 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 unfolds itself. It's amazing and. It is so cool to watch. Uh, I believe uh, our dear friend Stephen Hackett just got one, and I think he like either periscoped or uh, meerkatted the uh, unboxing because it's that it, it is really that cool. And the mattress is awesome. It's one of the, my favorite mattresses I've ever slept on. Um, I am not a memory foam kind of guy, and this hybrid thing actually is really wonderful. I would I the last time we had bought a mattress before the Casper. We had deliberately said, no, we do not want memory foam because I don't care for it. But this Casper mattress is really, really good. It is, they are superb. I, I definitely recommend them. And again, it's worth it just to see the darn things get shipped to you because it's so freaking cool. 
So, mattresses made in America, great prices. Casey loves them. You will too. Get $50 off any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com slash analog. And you want to use our code analog. So, get your own Casper mattress at casper.com slash analog. Thank you so much to Casper for their support of this show. Excellent. Okay, so you had tweeted earlier today that you were really excited for today's show. And you just mentioned a moment ago that you were really excited about it. So what are we talking about tonight? So this is something that I've wanted to talk to for, talk about for a while. Um, and it was something that I'd held off. And you you and Stephen went and spoiled it a couple of weeks ago. I love um, you. By talking about how you make a significant others. And I mentioned that I wanted to talk about this. and But I had to get clearance for it first. And I now have that clearance. The clearance has been given to me by my lady friend, who many people have noted recently that I have started referring to by name on the show. Yes, <laughs> I have done that. <laughs> you you have been a good detective in noticing. And that is something that I now do. Um, so I wanted to tell the story a little bit because it's not a... I don't, I don't think it's a terribly unconventional story, but it has some interesting parts to it. So me and Adina met online. Did I know that? I don't know if I knew that. I don't know if you do. And I, I feel like I told you this, um, but you may have forgotten. And I want to talk to you about this because I want to talk to you about the process, like what it's like to do online dating. But having been a man who's been, how long have you been married for? Uh, since 2007, so seven and a half years, almost eight years and, now. And you met Erin at what age? I was 22... Right. Almost 23. Is that right? It was 2005. Yeah, I was nearly 23. Yeah, so so 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm naturally going to assume you have never you've never done any online dating. No, no. And and to be honest, if I was single at this point when when online dating doesn't really have the the taboo associated with it, I don't think that it once did. I would certainly turn to it, but no, I I never had to well, that, that, obviously, I'm already had to get to that point. That that sounds. That, I didn't mean it that way. Um, All right. Okay. We need to take. We need to pause. Okay. You need to stop worrying about how you sound. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll cut this all out in post. But yeah. So I never. No. 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 It stays in because this right. is part. This is this is part of what I want to talk about, which okay. is the stigma. But I'm going to get to that in a bit. Okay. So, online dating is something that is becoming more prevalent, but apps like Tinder make it slightly different to what I think it should be. I mean, Tinder is... Now, Tinder, I am really genuinely asking, Tinder's point is to have uh, platonic relationships that are very brief. Is that generally the accepted purpose of Tinder? No, no, no. no. Tinder, Tinder is a dating and a hookup app, basically. Well, right, maybe platonic wasn't the right choice of words. My point was... There, there is no love necessarily involved in a Tinder-based relationship. Yeah, exactly. Because okay. effectively, I don't know if you know how Tinder works. You are shown an Instagram-sized photo of somebody, and you press either, well, you swipe left, I think, to yeah, swipe left to say yes, swipe right to say no, and you basically just fly through this stack of photos like a stack of playing cards. You say yes to who you like, you say no to who you don't. If you say yes to someone and they've already said yes to you, then you enter into a conversation. You you get the ability to enter into a conversation with that person. It's a very very smart way of doing that type of type of dating. Mm-hmm. That was not the type of dating I was looking for. 
Fair enough. So I had broken up with my previous girlfriend, and a couple of months after that, and you had been you had been together you the the previous girl for quite a long time, right? Like four years. Yeah, and it, you, geez, I mean, you're a few years younger than I, so that's that's a significant amount of time at that age. Mm-hmm. I think we met when we, when I was like nineteen or twenty or something like that. Yeah. So uh, single for a bit, and had basically decided that the only way that I was going to to find uh, another girlfriend was through online dating. And the reason for, for me was, if you think about what I do for a living and what I was doing at the time, I didn't have any time. That makes I didn't sense. have any time to go out in the world and meet people. And also, I I like to be in relationships, loving relationships. I'm not a dater. Um, I, I like to find someone. Um, I don't like to date five or six people. I did that, you know, when I was younger. You know, go on a few dates, and I, I've done all that. Now I, I like loving, committed relationships. That's just the type of person I am, and it's where I am in my life. And I decided that the only way that I was going to find someone was going to be through online dating, because it made the most sense to me. Um, be, and also, you know, I just didn't really want to go to bars and find people in bars, and I didn't have the time for any of that anyway. So... um. I looked at I signed up for Tinder and I didn't really like it. Um I, I just didn't it just doesn't work for me. I mean all all online dating is kind of focused around profile photos unless they make a point of not doing it, right? Mm-hmm. But there is more to it than just that on other sites, right? Because you fill out questionnaires and they try and find matches for you and stuff like that. So I looked around and to to kind of just, you know, dipped my toe into the water of a couple of different sites and landed on OkCupid. Have you heard of OkCupid? I have. Mm-hmm. What I found of OkCupid is it tends to skew younger, like to people in their 20s. Um, and so that definitely worked for me um, because I'm in my 20s. Because these things, you can end up with like wide varieties in age ranges and you can set your age parameters but of the ones that i looked around on okcupid seemed to be the dating site that had the most young people um, as a member Mm -hmm. so uh this is what i decided on so let me talk through with you casey the process of of online dating and and how it works okay so the first thing you have to do is set up a profile which is one of the hardest things ever to do because i don't I hate doing things like writing about pages about me and stuff. I don't know. I don't know what to say about myself. And what I, you know, I didn't want to do is like put, "I'm a podcaster." Like it doesn't, it doesn't give off a, a. I don't know. It just, it just didn't give off what I was trying to give off. Like, so I was trying to just find ways to explain the type of person that I am. Um, and if I remember rightly, it was kind of along the lines of. Um, uh, that I am a, like I'm a person who has a day, like a professional job because I was working in marketing at the time. I think I said I was in marketing, but I have my own hobbies um, that I want to turn into a career one day, like if, as my creative outlet, which I felt was a better way to try and put across how I felt about it rather than saying that I was a podcaster because I, I don't know if it correlated with everybody and I just, it just, I don't know, it just wasn't what I was trying to give off, especially in an online dating profile. Because you have to kind of try and sell yourself, right? Mm-hmm. 
that is a big a big part of it is trying to make yourself sound as appealing as possible to potential matches. You have to find the profile photo that you like, and um, OkCupid at least has a really interesting tool where you can test. I think this is OkCupid. You can test your profile photo. So it will show your profile photo to an amount of people over a period. It will show like you set four different pictures and it will randomly show them to different people over a period of time and report back to you as to which one got the most interest. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that's useful to know. Um, So I think I did that. And what else do we have? I'm trying to think about... So you you kind of you set up your profile. Then most of them, and the OkCupid does this, will have you fill out a series of questions. So it's multiple choice. It asks you a bunch of questions, kind of like love questions, relationship questions, some sexual questions, if you want to answer those, general preferences, that kind of stuff. And it builds up a score and a profile of you, which it can match against different, match against other people and can tell you how compatible you are with someone in theory. Um, and it's, I, I personally believe it's way more complex than this. And they do a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff under the hood to tune the algorithms. Um, I actually read recently, I can't remember who it was, but one uh, dating site actually tweaked their algorithm to make it, like, in some instances, less, um, it required less information matching about someone to call them a match to try and test out and see what would happen. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was quite interesting, yeah. right? So it's saying you're a match, even though in theory you're not a match, but we'll say you are because then it might make you more likely to to just for a relationship and yeah. kind of get something going. That's interesting. Kind of get out of your own way because you're yep. you're assuming that the, that the algorithm says that you're a match, so you must be a match. So rather than looking for flaws, you're going to look for similarities or things that you like. Yep, that's very cool. So then you kind of get so you fill out your questionnaire, you fill out your profile, you've got it all set up to a point that you're happy with, and then you start the searching part. Now, I'm speaking from this on the side of being male. Um, Online dating is very different for men and women. Uh, Because for women, I think it's as if most online things can, can be a bit overwhelming and or scummy guys. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, from, from some friends that I know that have done this, like, if you're female, it's like you just get inundated with guys looking for one thing or just you're just constantly contacted. Now, some sites like OkCupid have an interesting way of monetizing this, this like imbalance in the genders mm-hmm. by charging for different things. So like charging for the amount of time you can contact someone or... Um, charging to put your profile in front of as many people as possible in a period of time. And most of these things, I believe, are targeted at guys because guys, I think I think that, that women are, and I may be generalizing, are less likely to spam uh, guys than guys are to spam girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that they, quite rightly, I think, uh, make money that way. Um but, you know, it was something that... But then in the same vein, um, I, as a guy, uh, have have found it harder to 
start these conversations and stuff like that because you are already kind of on the back foot when you're contacting someone. And plus, I have found anyway that that the that I would have more luck in uh, online dating if I was the one instigating conversations as opposed to waiting for people to instigate conversations with me. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a self-perpetuating system, um, I've found. But this is all just a sample of one, but it's just some interesting thoughts that i found. So I can't remember how long I was on OkCupid for. It was a couple of months, um, and I went on one date, and that didn't go so well. Um, and then I found Adina. So, as is usual when you're in these things, you're kind of talking to multiple people and that kind of thing. Um, or at least I, I think anyway. But it was interesting with Adina because she was... I really liked her profile photos. Um... Someone's saying a couple of months on one day. I could be, yeah. I mean, I'm very picky. <laughs> Someone in the chat room has said a couple. There, there was more opportunities for me, but I like to talk to people a lot first to try and understand understand about them. And I want to get to the conversation part in a moment. Um, but the way that like the connection start is so strange because it's like you know you you start off and you're like looking at pictures. And I remember liking her pictures because they were quirky, because she is quite quirky. Um, and I I knew that she looked very different, and then later found out it was because she's from another country, right? Um, but I couldn't quite place my finger on what it was about her that was different. Uh, but it was like you know dark complexion and dark eyes and dark dark hair that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that th- that I I liked about her. Um, and to continue to like about her to this day. Um, so, I can't remember who contacted who. I, I just don't remember. But I do know... Does she? Have you asked? I haven't asked, actually. Maybe I could provide some follow-up um, on that one. Because I did clear this conversation, as I right, said beforehand. Right. So, like, the comfort... Like, the way that... Um, the way it tends to go from there is you have to try and start a connection. So, like, the first message that you send to someone, it carries a lot of weight behind it. Right, right. Because you have to seem interesting. You have to seem not too not crazy. Uh, you kind of have to balance a bunch of things up. And, like, you have to be intriguing but not mad. You have to be, like, fun, but not, like, crazy. You have to really kind of balance it, and it's a a hard thing to balance. And I can't remember what I said, but, like, you know, one of of the worst things you can ask someone in these sort of conversations is, how are you today? (laughs) It's like, do you have nothing else to say? Right. How about that Um, weather? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, you have to try and start these conversations off that are normal conversations, but in an abnormal way. And then you have to try and, like, the hardest thing I found in these things is keeping the conversation going. Because all you have is your instant messaging thing. So most of these these services, most of these... um, types of things they have like a an im like function or a messaging function like dms more than anything but without a character limit or a big character limit 
So that was how me and Adina were talking for a number of weeks, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking every day. We would talk for quite a lot of the day um, as I got to know her a little bit more and uh, we started, you know, exchanging the things that we liked and I remember she told me about a band that she liked called Alt-J who I'd heard a lot about but never listened to and I remember listening to them for the first time and now they're one of my favourite bands in the world um, because of, probably because of my connection to her, you know, like it all kind of wraps up quite quite nicely and we would talk about things like TV shows and I remember telling her about she asked me about podcasting. I think that she Googled me. Interesting. If I'm okay. remembering rightly. Um, I think she told me that later. Because, again, it's, I think it's kind of a normal thing to do. Uh, try and find out what you can about someone, especially if you're as silly as me as to have your full name in your profile, like Mike Hurley. <laughs> Most people don't do that. Sure, I realize sure. now why, because it's it's really easy to Google someone. So... Um, we were we were talking about it, but I think she'd already found um, some of my shows by that point. Um, so we were talking about that, and she was really interested in it, which was one of the things, one of the things that that really made me uh, warm to her. And and initially was how genuinely interested she was in the podcasting stuff because that was something that was so important to me, and it was something that I really needed to. Um, I need, I really needed someone to accept. Sure, absolutely. If you couldn't take this part of me, then there was never going to be an us, you know? Because especially at that time, I was working a job and doing this thing at the same time. So it was like the idea of me not having a lot of time. And I would be very upfront about that, you know, and explain that because I I figured that that was pretty important for somebody to know about me. Um, And it's really... It's really interesting. I mean, because we would talk and we'd talk and we'd talk and then um then we graduated to iMessages. And we we would talk a lot. We um, one of one of my uh, favorite memories that I have and knowing her as I do now makes it even funnier because of like her kind of sense of humor. Um she, I remember she said to me one day and this is before we'd we'd met. Uh she said to me one day I'm going to stop texting you now because I feel like I'm giving you my life story because we were just talking about like what was going on in our day. And, and, and I could see like from her perspective, she's like, we've never met. Like I'm going to stop telling you everything that's happening in my day. Cause we were, to- <laughs> we were talking then like how we talk now. Right. Um, like what have you been doing today? Oh, this happened at work or that kind of thing. Or I was doing this and I went down to the, you know, like the way that you talk, um, with someone that you really care about. We were having those kinds of conversations before we'd even met. Um, and that was one of the key things for me as to why I, I knew I'd met someone special because of the way we could talk together. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of how it started. Now I want to come back to the online dating thing, but I, maybe we'll talk about our first date. Okay. A little bit. So we'd arranged to meet um, for a couple of drinks in a pub that's um, that's relatively bold, is it not? No, that tends to be how people do it here. Really? I would think if it were me, I'd definitely choose. Uh, well, for me, I don't think it matters that much because I, I don't. It's not as risky for a guy to, to meet someone that they don't know as it is for a girl. But especially if I were a girl, I would want to meet for like coffee or something like that and not get anywhere near alcohol. 
So yeah, but you're in a pub. There's people all over the place. I get you. I get what you're saying, but I think people people tend to meet for either coffee or drink, and I guess it's up to them. But the thing, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But that was what we did. Um, so we we met for a, a drink in a pub, and I remember it was, we we sat in like the back room of this pub. It, it was like a sort of a restaurant, but we you could sit in there and drink and. And I remember it was the music was quite loud, uh, and I had to listen like really intently because I wasn't f- very familiar with with a Romanian accent, like so I had to really listen to make sure I was understanding her properly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was just quite funny, like to think now that that's how I was. To now it's just like it's like second nature, um, but then it was like I had to. I just wanted to make sure I could hear her. So I think we met at maybe like 7pm and we were just talking. We were just in there talking and we got thrown out of the pub uh, at 1.30 in the morning. My goodness. So the date yeah. went well, I'd say. It went really well. And then we walked around for a bit in London until the early hours of the morning and then I left to go home. But we were just walking around in Camden Town. She was showing me around Camden Town at like 3am. Um, it went... It, Safe to say, I I I, uh, I deleted my uh, account to OKCupid the next day. I was convinced that quickly. Yeah. Wow. Well, I think I suspended it the next day and then deleted it maybe a couple of weeks later. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, obviously, but man, that's that's bold. That's quick. Well, I just knew that quickly. I just had a, I just had a really good feeling about her, and. No, actually, I don't think I deleted the account, but I stopped using OkCupid. Like, I just didn't log on. Um, And that was in two things. Like, one, yeah, no, I I deleted it after maybe a couple of dates. But after our first date, I didn't log on again. The the next time I logged on was to to delete my account. And I did that for two reasons. Um, One, I wasn't interested because I thought that I found someone who, who was really special and the other, I didn't want her to log on and see that I'd logged on, yeah. because I didn't want her to think that I was still, still on the prowl. <laughs> yeah, because I really wasn't. We met up again a couple of days later because I had two tickets to a gig, um, to see a band that I really love called Heim, who I love a lot and now really like associate with Adina. Um, and then we met up again on Friday, the Friday for for a meal and. And kind of seen each other every few days since. Oh, that's awesome. And that was how long ago? A little over a year, year and a half? Uh, about a year and a half. That's very cool. So it went well, I think. Uh, very, very, well, very well. So I have a few other things that I want to talk about. I want to talk about your opinions about all of this. Okay. I want to talk about stigma. And I want to talk about technology and how it can help and hinder this kind of stuff. But I want to thank our final sponsor first. Yes, please. This week's episode is brought to you by Wealthfront, the automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. Wealthfront software manages your money using investment strategies that were previously only available to the wealthiest of investors for just one quarter of the cost of using a traditional advisor. Wealthfront monitors your account 24-7, automatically rebalancing your portfolio, reinvesting dividends, and working to maximize your after-tax returns. Wealthfront is also overseen by a team of investment experts, the same experts who launched the index fund revolution and who've written some of the most important books in finance. In case 
case you're still not convinced, you should know that Wealthfront manages over $2 billion in client assets and has saved millions of dollars on taxes for its clients. So with Wealthfront watching over your investments every day, what will you do with all of your extra time? Visit Wealthfront.com slash analog to get your first $10,000 managed for free. Wealthfront Inc. is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks, and there is also the possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read their full disclosure. All right. All right, so you had some questions? In a moment. So stigma. Okay. So I don't think... I told all of my family how we met. Interesting. Okay. Um I I think I told my brothers. I didn't tell my mum. I think I told my mum we met through friends. Just because it was easier to say mm-hmm. at the time. It was just like, oh, I don't know if I I think my mum would be totally fine with it. Does she listen to the show? No. <laughs> at the time I chickened out. I will tell her eventually one day, but I just haven't brought sure. it up. Um, she might know because I've told other members of my family, um, but we just me and my mum have never spoken about it. My mum's really progressive and she's really cool and very modern, but there was just something about it at the time that I chickened out for whatever reason. Okay. And I think it was mainly because I just didn't want to have any questions asked of me because I told her about the fact that I was going on this date before I'd met her and I didn't want her to be all weird about it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, and I think like as time has gone on, like I would tell say to some people we met through friends, some people we met online, but now I'm like, yeah, we met online and now I'm like putting my stake in the ground by talking about it to thousands of people. Yeah. So I think that the times are changing um, quite a lot, but I think that people are still way more accepting of something like Tinder than something like Match.com. Now, you're probably right, but that strikes me as absolutely nuts because I am also of, I am also the kind of guy that never really dated in that I, I never was seeing more than one girl at a time. I never really had flings. I mean, there were a couple times when I was younger, but... Not like my understanding of how kids these days do it. Um, and so I, I pretty much had serious relationships. And I had I would have one and then I would not be in a relationship for a while. And I'd have another serious relationship and then I wouldn't for a while. And that was that. And I'm not saying you're wrong by any means. All I'm saying is to me that sounds insane. That something that's really about hooking up would be more acceptable than something that's designed to have a lasting relationship. Uh, you got to think about what's cool, though, right? Yeah, I understand. Again, I'm not saying you're wrong, but God, that's weird to me. It's cool to say yes or no to someone based on how hot they are. Is it cool to set to create a profile of yourself listing your likes and dislikes? Yeah, yeah. I know what I prefer, but you know, I'm just saying, like the general populace. I don't know what what people feel about about that kind of thing, but I think the stigmas are breaking. Um, and more and more people are meeting online these days, but I still feel like there is a stigma there. There is still one, um, but it, it's just getting better and better all the time. Uh, but I, I genuinely believe that meeting people online is a superior way of meeting people. I've met people in all manner of scenarios, 
and all I know is the person in my life that I feel the the most comfortable with, um, the closest with, is somebody that I've met online, and like she's the woman that I love, and I love her very dearly, and I love her more than I've ever loved anybody, and and I genuinely think it's because we got to start um, our, our our like time together by getting to know each other at a distance. And I think that's incredibly important because I also related to my friendships. The the closest friends that I've ever had are the people that I get to talk to every day online and get to do these shows with. Hi. Um, hi, you are one of those people. <laughs> um, and we talk about the importance of meeting in person. And I agree with that. Um, but I think that that helps solidify a strong relationship. I don't think it needs to be the basis. Yeah, yeah. So... What do you think? I, I think that this is a far more normal story than either of us is giving you credit for. Um, and, I, and I mean that in a good way. I think that today, online dating, it has some of like that latent stigma. I mean, you could hear it in what I said quite a bit earlier. Um, it has that latent stigma that, that, oh, that's weird, and oh, that's creepy. And I think there's some of that still. But geez, any, pretty much everyone I know that is within five years of my age, and I am 33 years old, pretty much everyone I can think of, all of my friends that are single, and obviously and hopefully not anyone that isn't, um, all of them either are actively using online dating or have at the very least dabbled in it in the past. And I think that makes sense. Um, it's Aaron and I got extremely lucky that we happened to find each other at a moment when we were both ready for a relationship and when we had a friend that knew the both of us and was smart enough to say, I bet these two are compatible. We were extremely lucky and that's not a normal thing. And again, as I'd said earlier, I think if I was single now, I absolutely think I would be on OkCupid or eHarmony or one of or match.com or one of the many equivalent sites because it just makes sense. And it, why wouldn't you? I mean, sure there's, there's a cost financially of doing it, but why, why wouldn't you? It seems silly not to. And and I can't imagine myself being forward enough or I don't want to use the word aggressive. Maybe confident is a better word. I don't know that I'd be confident enough to go up to a girl at a bar or a pub if I'm in the UK for whatever reason or um, at a coffee shop and just strike up a conversation if I didn't know them. Like I am not good at ice breaking. Once I've been introduced to someone, I like to think I can hold my own. But to just randomly walk up to someone and say, hey, I'm Casey, that's that's hard. That's hard for me. It's hard for everyone, but it's hard for me. Uh, that's something I didn't mention as well. I never could do that. When I was when I was a younger man, Casey Liss, going out to the nightclubs and meeting meeting people, I would never go up to someone and talk to them. Yeah. It would be one of those things where like we'd be on a dance floor and our eyes would meet. <laughs> that, that kind that's how i would 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 uh find lady friends um at the, when i was like 19 or whatever it would be that kind of thing so you know you'd see you know you kind of look at each other a lot and you get eye contact and then you dance together that was how i did it right i could never i never had the confidence to talk to people but i had the confidence to do that it was i don't know what the difference is um i'm sure a psychologist could tell me uh, but I always struggled going up to someone and saying, hi, can I buy you a drink? I never did it. Yeah, never did it. Not my cup of tea either. I'm very bad at that. Mm -hmm. So that's why like something like online dating is good for me because it, you know, it strips, it strips it down because you're not saying it's someone's face. 
um, and they can just ignore you if they want to. Yep. I completely agree with you. So the last thing I want to talk about is technology. Technology and dating and how I think it can can help and hinder things. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned it a little bit already, but the idea of the instant messaging is extremely important to, to these sorts of um to these sorts of services because it is kind of the center around of which everything else forms when it comes to connections. Because, you know, the first thing you're doing is searching for people. So you're putting in some sort of search terms. You're putting in uh, search parameters that you want to, to look within, age ranges, distance ranges, that kind of stuff. And that is like a weird process because you're kind of like setting these things and you're just scrolling through lists of people and picking out the ones that you like the look of. It's a very weird it's all very weird. It's like meat markety. It's very strange, um, but it's the only. I I can't think of another way you do it. I mean, the other way that you know many of these services have in is they show you some matches or whatever, and and that's another way. So you kind of do it between both. Um, so you go through this kind of stuff, and they have their algorithms, however it works, and you find the person, and then you have the instant messaging. But the weird thing about like OkCupid is the actual messaging system is terrible, especially on the iPhone, at least at the time when I was using it. And it was like, you have one job, like you have one job and your job is to make me talking to this person the best and easiest way it can be, right? But yet you create a system which is not that good to use on an iPhone. Mm. I mean, I don't yeah. know what their app is like now, but at the time it really sucked. And it was like, ah, oh, come on. And that's like the problem. Like the app would sometimes not send messages or like you'd type out a message if it got past a certain length, you couldn't press the send button. Oh, that's delightful. So it's, you know, and it was like if you lost a connection, it could like lose everything. It was just really bad. And it just wasn't very good. Sometimes the keyboard wouldn't work. Pro- like it was just like all of these terrible things. Like, um, oh, I just, I hated it. I hated it. Um and you know, and and like, and it was okay on the desktop. Um, Wait, I'm sorry, you said okay, Cupid was okay on the desktop. Mm-hmm. Okay, just want to make sure we're all on the same page. The other thing is quizzes. Wait, what? Quizzes. Okay. So you remember, I mentioned about taking quizzes, like compatibility tests. Oh, how they yeah, work okay, out the okay, match. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you take these quizzes, right, and it asks you all these questions. Now, there was one thing that I did, and I believe that Dina confirmed this to me, because uh, you can actually go in and you can see um, of the answers that the questions that you have answered, and the question that the other person have answered. You can see where you don't meet in compatibility. Oh, I don't know if that's good or bad. Or you can see the questions that you don't meet on. You don't see what the other person's answer is. Okay, that's a little better, but still. I think that's the way it works. I don't know if I would want to know, you know? It's, I don't know. I don't know. That that kind of, that tinges the conversation or, you know, puts a, puts a hue on the conversation that maybe you don't necessarily want or need. I don't know. I mean, if you have something you're very specific about, then you can find out if that person doesn't agree with you. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All I know is I went in and changed some answers <laughs> of mine, so it would increase my compatibility score. You cheater! She did the same. Yeah, I reckon everyone does it. Yeah, probably. But if you start to like someone, you don't want something silly to be the thing that you know. Oh yeah! Oh, absolutely. 
everybody lies to make themselves look a little bit better. Yep. And this is kind of one way you do it. Yeah, and I mean, having been married for almost eight years now, I can tell you that for Aaron and I, I feel like over time we've become kind of the same person. And I don't think that's an unusual thing. Um, As a silly example, I think years and years and years ago, she and I felt very differently about politics and we had very different opinions about it. But over the course of a few years, maybe this is just age. Maybe this is, um, this is us being together for so long, but one way or another, I think we've ended up being kind of of the same mind, even if we approach it from two different directions. And, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other examples and I can't off the top of my head, but but in so many ways, we've kind of become the same person. And, and you could make a legitimate argument that you changing your answers is just kind of accelerating that process, you know? Yeah, I mean, the things that I would change, though, were the things that I was kind of on the fence about because you had to pick an answer. And sometimes some answers, you some questions you could give more than one answer to, like, oh, I kind of care about this. I do care about this, like somewhat, you know, or like whatever. But say it was like somewhat care and don't care either way. Like that's the diff- that's like a binary result, right? To the system. Yep. Yep. It's like either you do agree or you don't agree. But it's like, well, but I could easily say I'm either of these, so I'll change it. Do you know? Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I didn't go like I didn't go from like strongly agree to strongly disagree. <laughs> but like I would, I would change the things. Now, my question for you is: things like quizzes, instant messaging, algorithms. Does this take the romance away? Do you think? No. Why? Um, Are you I, saying that because you want you think I want to hear that? No, I'm saying it because Aaron and I met recently enough that instant messaging was a thing, and it was AOL Instant Messenger. So we are a little bit old now, but um, uh, we we definitely communicated on IM quite a bit, and I think that helped a lot. And I think you had said this earlier, but having that level of indirection, having instant message or text messaging as well. And that, that was not much of a thing when we met. Um, but having that level of indirection where you're not listening to the other person's voice or you're not looking at the other person in the eye, it allows you to say things that you may not necessarily say. And I don't mean that in, in a, in a salacious way. I don't mean that in a, in a, in a skeevy way. What I mean is maybe I'll be a little more flirty than, than I would have the confidence to be, if I was looking Aaron in the eyes, you know what I mean? And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. And and Aaron and I were very flirty on I am. And, and I think that helped a lot. And so I don't, I think in, in a lot of ways that that technology, instant message, um, text messaging, I messaging, et cetera, I think that helps. And I think that that helps get you out of your own way without having to use something like alcohol, which could create a whole world of problems. So I think that personally, I think it's more romantic. I think it's nicer um, because it's a completely unphysical relationship during this period right, of time. Right. Um, and we are spending typically more time in a non-physical relationship than you would if we met in person. Because yeah. usually if you meet somebody in person, the physical relationship starts a lot sooner. One, you're in, you're in person. Right, but two, you're probably meeting at a bar, maybe you're meeting on a night out, which probably means that you'll kiss for the first time you meet or whatever. Um, but we get to 
we got to talk and talk and talk and our first interactions were talking um, for a matter of weeks before we ever got to meet and I think that there's some personally I thought I find something more beautiful in that I, I agree and I mean it's easy to attract someone well I shouldn't say easy it, it is very different and there are mechanisms one can employ to attract someone physically you know you could put on that suit that you really know you look good in or or if you're a lady maybe you wear those high heels that you know are really uncomfortable but you know you look really good in or whatever um but it's harder to fake that i think when you're talking to someone and the only way you can find that other person attractive is by finding their mind and their personality attractive um and and it to me it's harder to fake that because I think most people know when when the person they're talking to is not being genuine. Maybe they don't know that they're outright lying. Maybe they just have that gut feeling. But for Aaron and I, for Aaron and me, and for, for you and Adina, I think that both, all, all four of us, we could tell in, in the other one when, that we were being genuine and that we really did care for each other and that we wanted to learn about each other emotionally and mentally before we necessarily did physically. So unless you have any other questions or comments, that's the story. You certainly don't sound it. Are you? Do you feel embarrassed by it? Nah. No, I'm not embarrassed. Is she? I, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I think that I maybe wasn't embarrassed. I was just like originally when I was telling people was apprehensive of people's reactions. Sure. But I would tell people anyway. Um, I'm really, really interested to see what the feedback is. I mean, looking in the chat room, it's overwhelmingly positive and interested. Um, and I'm interested to see how people take this. But I wanted to share the story because it's important to me. Um, and it's also important to me that not that I think I can change the world. I, I'm not saying that, but people that are, that maybe feel like they should be embarrassed, or maybe there are other people that have met in this way and don't want to talk about it. I want them to hear somebody else talk about it, so maybe they can feel a little bit better about sharing that story with their friends or with the people that they care about. And you know, bear in mind, like I haven't told everybody in my life about it, but I think. I understand that there are, I think, that people that are a generation above us, there is still some problems with it. And I, and I hope that in my kids' generation, it's the norm. Like, it's just the normal way people meet. They meet online. Um, I think it's extremely healthy. I think it's more healthy. Um, I think that it genuinely, I, I believe, creates stronger relationships. Um, and I think in today's day and age, I think it should probably be the way that people meet romantically it just makes sense to me we live so much of our lives on the internet um and you end up in a situation these days where the people that you are romantically involved with you communicate in the same forms that you communicate with when you're in online dating so i think that it's natural that you should be able to find someone that you can communicate with majorly in this kind of way um and so I, I think that it, I think it's a way that people should really, really be considering um, in a serious way, not in a Tinder way, but in an OkCupid way, in a Match.com way, in a way where it's really where obviously the looks are a part of it because, it you know, it should be. 
um, in some instances. I, I understand that you, with many people you have to have a physical interaction, so it should be an important part because it's an important part to, I think, probably a vast majority of the people in the world, but it's not all it is. Um, and as soon as you click in, you know, with, with Tinder, it's, it's 100% on that. Uh, because people don't even have profile. You don't have a profile. You have like a little bit of information you can put in. Something they started to do recently, I saw this somewhere, which I really like, is they're going to start showing you people's Instagram accounts as well. I think that's really good. Because this is on Tinder or on OK? Yeah, okay. on Tinder. So you start to see a bit more about people as well, which I think is really important. You need to have more than just the looks. But but I appreciate that looks are an important part of it. And I think it's, uh, as Joe Steele's saying in the chat room, profile photos are really hard to do. And they're way more important and there's way more pressure put on them when the, when the service is just about profile photos, which is why I think then having profiles and matching scores and all of that kind of stuff um, is really, really important, which is why I think if you are interested in or serious about online dating, you should be signing up to one of these more fuller services rather than, you know, go on Tinder for the fun because it's actually fun. It's kind of like a game, but that's not where you're going to meet people. Yeah, and I think uh, Mrs. Soup summed it up pretty well in the chat. She said, uh, when you start out a relationship with text and loads of communication before you have the physical, your foundation is so much stronger. And I think I that isn't that. exclusively true, but I think generally speaking, that is absolutely true. So um, I, I I agree. This is good. I, I, I couldn't, I seriously couldn't agree more. I think that that is, I think that that is just fact. Personally, I believe that it is, that is a fact. Um, you can feel free to argue with me. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think you're pretty much right. Um, but I mean, you know, like I, th- I think that it should be based on that. Like you said with Aaron, that you spent a lot of time talking like that. Um, and you know, it doesn't need to be primarily. It doesn't need to be originally, but I think it needs to be a, a big base of it. But there you go. I agree. All right, that was good. That was good. Good. Glad you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Analog. This has been episode number 37. You can find the show notes at relay.fm slash analog slash 37. Thanks again to our sponsors this week, Making Light, Casper, and also Wealthfront as well. Um, if you want to find us online, I'm at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and Casey is at C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S, that's Casey List on Twitter, and also CaseyList.com as well. And we'll be back next time. Most of all, thank you for listening. Bye-bye.